Grace, and I'll do a little bit more of an introduction. But before that, before I get started, I'm going to need your participation. Uh, if you could grab a piece of paper or open a new note on your phone, what I want you to do is write down or type the name of someone who you have a hard time getting along with or a hard time loving, or you just think they're so different than me. It's that family member that you have a really hard time communicating with, that coworker that gets all the credit for the really awesome stuff that you do, the friend you find yourself gossiping about. Who's that person that's just so different than you? Just take a moment and write down a name. So as Ryan mentioned, my name is Grace and I am from Fresno. I just moved to Ontario, Canada just over a year ago where I'm now pastoring a church. But before I moved here, I was a pastor at Neighborhood Church, uh, which is a church, if you're familiar with it, that exists for and within a neighborhood in Southeast Fresno. I also did some uh, mediation work at the Center for Peacemaking at Fresno Pacific. And then I had this one side gig that not a lot of people knew about. Pretty regularly, I would drive about an hour outside of Fresno, and I would preach and lead a worship gathering for this really small church. And when I say small church, I mean, a good Sunday, we would have like 12 people. And they were pretty much all over the age of 60. And I knew as soon as I started teaching there, uh, that we had some different worldviews. Uh, we disagreed about some stuff. We were different denominations, and all of my suspicions were affirmed once I became friends with a lot of them on Facebook. But for whatever reason, they kept inviting me back. And so I would go and teach, and then at the end of my teaching, we would go in the fellowship hall. It was really cute. All of the women would sit at this table on one side of the room, and then the men would sit on this table, and, and we would talk, and we developed this relationship. Ryan, for the last few weeks, has been leading you all through this series called Open Secrets. And last week, I think he told a, a similar story about an experience that he had with people who he likewise thought were very different than him. And the series is all about those teachings of Jesus that, that don't get talked about a lot, that don't show up on Sunday. And I really didn't want to completely destroy his flow or pattern. I wanted to complement the series. And so I chose probably Jesus's most popular story. The story that most people have, have probably heard. It's the uh, story of the Good Samaritan. Even if you haven't read this story, you probably know like the gist of it, right? Because Good Samaritan has become synonymous with like the stranger that performs the good deed. That person who pulls over when they see you broken down on the side of the road, they're a good Samaritan. The person who turns in your wallet instead of keeping it, good Samaritan. The stranger in the bathroom who tells you that you have something in your teeth or toilet paper stuck to your shoe, good Samaritan, we love those people. The story is so popular. I remember reading in a book a while ago that President Bush referenced it in his inaugural address that Queen Elizabeth used it in her annual Christmas Day message. 
It's a very popular story. But even if you are familiar with this story, I invite you to open your heart to the possibility that God has a fresh word for you today. Let me just say a prayer for us and invite the spirit uh, into this teaching. God, we are thankful for this opportunity to connect. I know that I am thankful to connect with the church that feels like home uh, for my hometown. And God, we just ask that you would come and you would speak a fresh word to us. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you convict us? Would you challenge us? Would you guide us so that we could live our lives to become more like you? We pray this in your name. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 10, starting with verse 25. If you want to pull out your phone or your Bible at home, that's Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. The book of Luke is all about Jesus. And in verse 25, it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I come here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. All right, so in this story, there's this man who is an expert in the Mosaic law. This was the law that God had given his chosen people um, so they could live in right relationship with God and each other. And in the book of Luke, these experts in the law, they don't have a very good reputation. Uh, in the following chapter, Jesus says, woe to you, experts in the law. You load people with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourself will not lift one finger to help them. I want you to notice two things. One, the text says that he's testing Jesus. And two, he asks him about eternal life. Like, what what are the boxes that I have to check so that I make sure that we're on good terms when the time comes? He doesn't say, Jesus, I'm so compelled by you and your message and the world that you're creating. I just want to be a part of it. He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, 
what does the law of Moses say? How, how do you read it? And I just imagine Jesus is being a little sarcastic here. Like, aren't you supposed to be the expert? Do you know the answer? And so he says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. Notice Jesus doesn't say, do this and you'll inherit eternal life. He says, you're so focused on your eternal destiny, but what if I was to tell you that there was abundant life now? What if I wanted to show you how to live, really live? Do this and you will live. And so the man says, wanting to justify himself, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? And I wonder if you ever find yourself slipping into this way of thinking. Who is my neighbor? Maybe there are people in your life, family or friends who you're willing to make really big sacrifices for. But what about your actual neighbor? Maybe there are people, friends who you extend a tremendous amount of empathy to, but your coworkers? There are people in our lives who maybe we don't really know that we find it all too easy to judge or criticize or even dehumanize. I find myself criticizing Tom Brady way too much. Maybe you, as you watch The Bachelor, notice that you start making judgmental comments about people's behavior and, and what they're wearing, comments that you normally wouldn't say out loud. But they're not really your neighbor. You don't know them. So now Jesus responds with a story. And I want to uh, try to reimagine this story together. Like, let's reimagine what it would look like if this story was happening right now. You are walking home from a dinner party. I don't know what COVID's like over there, but let's just say this is pre-COVID. And you decide to take a shortcut down this dark street and you get mugged. You get beaten, even stripped of your clothes, left for dead. And with all of the energy that you have left, you pray and you beg God to do something because you know you're not gonna make it. And then you hear something and you look over and you think you recognize this person, they're walking towards you and you realize that it's Ryan, it's your pastor. Like, what are the chances that he would be there on the street in this serious time of need? Surely God has answered your prayer. Your pastor is here. But then Ryan stops walking towards you and he like, he kind of squints and makes this face. I don't think he even recognizes who you are because you are so beat up. And he's thinking, this person is clearly dead, like there's no hope for them. Uh, and then his heart starts racing and he starts to wonder what if those people are like still around here? And so he keeps walking, even though Ryan, we all know you would stop for us, okay? Um, <laughs> now, this is where I'm gonna need your participation. I need you to write down in the chat, Someone else in your church, anyone's name. Anyone can do it. 
Andrew, perfect. Okay. So now you are laying there on the side of the road, this dark lit street. You are sure you're not going to make it. And then another person starts walking towards you and you realize it's Andrew File, right? And he sees you and <laughs> he sees your blood everywhere. And he's thinking, I'm not a paramedic. Like, I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help this person. And then uh, he checks his watch and there's a Dodger game on. And so like, he's really, he's really got to get home for this game. And um, he thinks I'll just, I'll call 911 um, and, and he leaves, but you don't have time to wait for a paramedic. Is this how you feel sometimes in regards to loving your neighbor? Maybe you, you, you lack the vision to see that this person who is bleeding on the side of your road, the side of the road is your neighbor, right? Because that's part of what we glean from this story is that your neighbor is your enemy because the Jewish people and Samaritans, they had this long, bitter history. They did not get along. And so that person who stole the bike that you never got back, they're your neighbor. That person who thinks very differently than you politically, neighbor. The person whose name you wrote down on the piece of paper, neighbor. Maybe you, you, you have vision to see who your neighbor is, but you feel like there's not really any hope for your relationship. Like what could God actually do in my relationship with this person? Like what, how could God actually transform this? Where is the hope in this? And, and way back when I was preaching at that little church of like 12 people, I found myself wondering that, is this, is this just an assignment? Like, am, am I here just to get preaching practice? Like, what is God actually going to do here? Or maybe for you, it's just, it's a matter of time. You think, yeah, sure, I'd love to love my neighbor, but when do I have to do, when do I have time to do that? I'm a volunteer Uber driver for a 12-year-old. I'm trying to manage online learning right now. I'm working two jobs and going to school. Is that how you feel sometimes about loving your neighbor? Like, what could you actually do? So at this point, you're, you're laying down uh, in the street and you you know okay this is it I, I'm clearly not going to make it you've lost a lot of blood you start you know praying for your friends and family who you're leaving and then you see one more person walking towards you and at first they look like a stranger and then as they get closer to you you realize it's the person's name who you wrote down on that piece of paper it's the person who you don't like very much, the person who you have a hard time getting along with, a person you find yourself criticizing, envying, judging. And they walk towards you and you're honestly sure, like at this point, you're not sure what's gonna happen or are they just gonna finish you off? And then they take off their coat and they put it on you. And then they start bandaging your wounds. Thank goodness they carry gauze with them. They, they stop the bleeding and they pick you up and they put you in their car, which has all white interior, by the way, but they're not worried about you destroying it at all. They take you to the hospital 
and they leave their credit card for your bills. This person who you're, who you're mad at, who you think you don't have anything in common with, they tend to your wounds. They care for you. In this moment, you need them. In this moment, you cannot save yourself. You can't do everything on your own. You cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even though in our pride and ambition, we think that we can, or we like to think that we have. You ever find yourself in a situation, maybe where you have an argument with someone, maybe it's a friend or a spouse or a coworker, and then afterwards you realize that you need something from them, like you need you need their help, you need them to do something, you're like, shoot, I should have asked for the notes from class before that happened, or like, it's just awkward and uncomfortable now, but I, I need you to take me to pick up my car from the mechanic. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? I think that's what's happening in this story. See, we often uh, tell the story like the message is, hey, we should be the Good Samaritan. We should love our neighbor, who's also our enemy. But Jesus is telling the story to a Jewish man. And the assumption is that the wounded man on the side of the road is Jewish. And so it's much more likely that the listeners would have identified with the wounded man. If the message was love your neighbor, who is also your enemy, it would have made a lot more sense to make the Samaritan the wounded man. But this way, the story flips. Actually, it's a lot more uncomfortable because we're not the good Samaritan. We're not the ones showing up for people and rescuing them. Rather, it's the person who we really don't like, the person who we think that's different than us that shows up for us. Last week, Ryan invited you to consider how open you are to people who are different than you. Maybe Jesus wants to break down some walls in your life and I'm gonna push it even further to say, maybe Jesus is not only inviting you to love your neighbor, but could Jesus be inviting you to open yourself up to the possibility that you need them? That they are human just like you? that they have something to teach you, that they have love to give you, to let them speak first, to let them share their story? Is it possible that they are or could be an integral part of your healing and transformation? That this person is equally made in the image of Jesus, that there's something about them that's Christ-like, there's something in them that is good, that they are capable of loving compassion just like you. One more time for the people in the back. They are capable of loving you. See, what we see in the story and what I've learned in my own life is that I feel most human when I am loving and extending compassion to people, especially when it's hard. But I also feel most human when I'm vulnerable when I embrace my need for others, when I let them help and love me, especially people who are different than me. And in both scenarios, paradoxically, it's like we become more like Jesus because I see Jesus in both of the people in the story. Jesus shows up to extend compassion to heal the sick. 
to love those who are wounded, to bind up the brokenhearted. And Jesus is also the wounded man. Jesus is the one who has to rely on a stranger to carry his cross. Jesus is the one who's nailed to the cross. Is it possible that God is not only inviting you to open yourself up to people who are different than you, but also inviting you to consider that you might actually need them? To love your neighbor, including the person who you've written down, but also to possibly consider that they have love to give you. Now, quick caveat, depending on whose name you wrote down on a piece of paper, it may not be best or healthy for you to actually talk or pursue like a close relationship with this person. Boundaries and relationships are good in certain circumstances. And I'm not saying that you don't stop speaking truth or pursuing justice. There is such a place though where you can hold your heart open with boundaries, but not carry around bitterness and resentment. There is such a place. This little church that I would go and preach at, that I knew we had some serious disagreements, I knew that we had different worldviews, they kept inviting me back. And I would get up and teach and I would talk about stories that I was experiencing in the neighborhood in Southeast Fresno and the peacemaking justice work that I was doing. And I, I was never quite sure how it landed. And then my first Christmas with them, there was a family in the church that gave me a Christmas present. And then as a church, they all gave me a Christmas present. And then I kept preaching there for years. And in the time that I was there, there were multiple people in the congregation who financially supported my work in the neighborhood. And as a whole congregation, they financially supported uh, my work. And they continue to, to keep in touch with me on social media. And I just found out a couple months ago that one of them passed away. And I was surprised by just how much grief I felt over the loss of this person because I realized that, that this congregation had a significant impact, impact in my life. We disagreed on certain things, we had different worldviews, but they let me preach. And they stayed in relationship with me and we both grew through it. Incredible transformation can happen in relationships with people who are different than us, with people who we least expect, with people who may disagree with us, have different worldviews. That person whose name that you wrote down on a piece of paper, could you trust that, that they're made in the image of Jesus, that they're capable of love and compassion, that you might actually need them? That's what it looks like to be human. It's definitely a challenging word when we consider the story from this perspective. Now I've been, I've been talking a lot and I wanna give you some time to discuss in groups and to respond. Um, we have a couple questions for you. If you don't feel comfortable sharing, you can always just listen and observe and hear input from other people. This is a way that we can stay connected. Um, and the first question and the group leaders will have these for you is like, what was it? When was it there a time that you were in need and who met that need? And what did that feel like? And the second question, um, can you think 
of a time when you saw the person whose name you wrote down show love or compassion and what was that like? So we're going to give you uh, about 10 minutes to discuss and then come back and I'm going to wrap up uh, this whole story and message for us. Welcome back everyone. Hope that you had um, some good discussion in your groups. A few years ago, I remember a friend of mine called me and she said, Grace, I'm so upset, I'm devastated. And I said, what's going on? Um, and she said that this person who she was really mad at, who she really didn't like, who hurt her, was moving in next door to her. And she said, I'm so annoyed because now I have to love them. They are my neighbor. Um, <laughs> and I said, I, I don't think it's a matter of whether or not you have to. Um, I think that you can. That the love of Jesus enables us uh, to love and receive love from people who we might never imagine possible. See, when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being truly human, which in this upside down way makes us more divine, I believe that it starts here, that this is living, really living. In the process of loving God and loving neighbor, when God gives us vision and we trust in the love of Jesus, when we make time and allow ourselves to be used and open ourselves up to people, uh, we not only find that we make an impact in people's lives, but we find ourselves equally healed and transformed by people who we might least expect. Let me say a prayer for us and then Ryan will lead us through communion. Uh, God, right now, uh, as I look around the world, I see a lot of people who need compassion and people who have compassion to give. A lot of people who really want and need to be heard. And God, people who are willing to listen and understand. And I pray that you would open our hearts uh, to people who um, we might have a hard time loving, who might think differently than us or might have trouble communicating with. These people whose names that we've written down, uh, God, would you open our eyes to see um, the love and compassion that exists in them, the good that is in them. I pray these things in your name. Amen.